do want to take some moments to look at uh, this passage in Exodus 33, a passage in Exodus 33 that speaks to God's grace, God's grace. Last week we looked, uh, we began this series through uh, the four G's, which are some of the foundational pillars of our church in terms of our commitments. Uh, Grace is our glorious foundation. Last week we focused in on the ways that grace shapes us as individuals, the, the, the way that it is only by God's grace, only by God's grace, that we are able to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's only by this indescribable gift, as Paul says. Paul can't even put words to it. It's inexpressible, indescribable. No words to describe the gift that God has given us, the gift of his grace. And we looked at at, at the fact that it's indescribable because we don't deserve it whatsoever. There's nothing we could do. There's nothing at all that we could do in order to earn God's grace. There's no reason. There's no reason in us that he would give his grace to us, and yet he does, yet he still does. And we also looked at the fact that that the gift itself is indescribable, that that the gift is not just forgiveness, it's not just redemption, it's not just salvation, but that the gift itself is God, That, that, that the giver is the gift, that God has given us something indescribable in giving us his very self. And that's where I'd like to drill down today in thinking about our response to grace and experience of grace as a community. Okay, so each of us as individuals have been given God's grace, this inexpressible gift, this indescribable gift, but as a community, we are shaped and formed by God's grace. So what we do week in and week out as a part of each other's lives in worship together here, but also in in relationships throughout the week and in our our groups and and, in every single part of our lives together, we are shaped and built on God's grace. And God's grace is our glorious foundation. That's what I want us to focus on in this passage in Exodus this morning. That's where I'd like to to take us uh, for a few moments this morning. So if you'll open with me to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. And before I introduce and read this passage, and Sherry, do we have slides for this one? Okay, great, wonderful, thank you. Uh, Before I introduce and read this passage, we'll be starting in verse 12 of of chapter 33. Uh, Let me pray for us. Lord God, you are great and mighty. And Lord, you have chosen to speak to us your word. You have chosen to show us your grace. We pray by your grace and by your spirit this morning that we would hear your words and that we would be shaped by them, molded by them. I pray uh, in our inadequacy, my inadequacy and all of our inadequacy, Lord, that you would give us grace because in Christ you have built us up together and you have made us your body. And Lord, help us. Help us this morning as we come to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
leading up to the passage that we'll read this morning in Exodus chapter 33. Uh, I just want to remind you of probably a familiar uh, story here. See, we've been reading in, in the opening chapters of the book of Exodus uh, in our Old Testament readings. And, and uh, children, you've been, uh, I know it's not been recent, but, but I think uh, just a little bit ago you were going through the Exodus story, right? Uh, and thinking about all the ways that God acted on behalf of his people to lead them out from Egypt, out of slavery. This story comes... After God has miraculously saved his people, led them out of slavery, but then Moses has gone up onto a mountain to receive the law of God, and the law of God was given to a saved, redeemed people to show them how they might live before God. But while Moses was up there, they thought, he's been away for a while. Maybe he's died up there. There's a lot of thunder and lightning going on up there. 40 days, he hasn't come back, maybe he's died, so maybe we should craft our own God. Maybe we should create an image to have something that we can worship, something that we can gather around as a community. So they created an idol, and they worshiped that idol. And the Lord says in chapter 32 of Exodus, he basically tells Moses, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wipe out this people because every single time I do something for them, I, I show grace to them, I, I, every single time they rebel, every single time they complain, they go back to their own ways. God says, I'm going to wipe them out, and Moses, I'm going to make you a great nation. This sounds like a pretty good deal for Moses, huh? All these people that have been complaining against him, railing against him. God says, I'll get rid of them. I'll get rid of them once and for all, and I'll make you a great nation. I'll make your children my people. And Moses says this in chapter 32. He, he, he implores the Lord. He says, why are you angry against your people? And he says, if you do that, if you wipe out this people, then the world will not know your name, the glory of your name, as you've saved your people from Egypt. And and for the sake of your holy and great name, Lord, don't wipe out this people. Moses cares about the glory of God's name more than anything else, more than personal gain, more than himself becoming the most important person in the community. And then we come to chapter 33, where where Moses and God are having this, this conversation And that's where we arrive in verse 12, and and here's where I want us to to focus our time this morning. So if you'll uh, look at the screen or at your Bibles, if you have them in front of you, we'll start in Exodus 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, see that you say to me, bring up this people, or see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you also... Have found, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, consider too, that this nation is your people. And he, God, said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, this is Moses speaking to God now, if your presence will not go with me, Do not bring us up from here. 
For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, or Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand. And you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And we'll stop there. We could look at many things in this passage, many aspects of this passage that would be helpful for us. But I want us just to focus on one thing this morning. I want us to focus on one thing. As we look at God's grace and as we look at this story, I want us to focus on this. The grace that we need and that God gives us is his presence with us. The grace that we need and the grace that God gives us is his very presence with us. We desperately need God's presence. Now, children... And adults, but especially children for a second. I want you to think about this. Do you remember in the Exodus story, do you remember when Moses went to Pharaoh, one of the things that he said to, to Pharaoh when he, when he was telling Pharaoh, let my people go? He said, let my people go. And think in your head, what did he say? Let my people go so that they might serve me or worship me, right? Let my people go so that they might serve me or worship me. Do you all remember that? We like to focus in on or we think a lot about maybe that idea of God coming and using Moses and Aaron to go to Pharaoh and to say, let my people go. Freedom, salvation from slavery, bringing them out from this mighty king. And that's wonderful. It's good. But then we don't think about that second part of the phrase very much. Let my people go that they might serve me. You know, I think for, for a long time I thought, as I looked at that phrase, and I think many of us may have thought this, uh, I could be wrong, but that uh, God was trying to play a trick on Pharaoh. That, that when he said, let my people go, that they might go serve me and worship me in the wilderness, that the, 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 the real purpose that God wanted was, was for his people to be free. So he came up with a reason for them to go out to go out and worship and, and serve him in the wilderness uh, and, and told Pharaoh that so that Pharaoh might let them go out. But that, that part didn't really matter. But what I want you to see this morning is that in the Exodus stor- story, as we look at the Exodus story throughout and as we look at the entire book and especially as we look at this chapter this morning, chapter 33, the purpose of God's grace to his people is not primarily about that first phrase, let my people go. The purpose of God's grace to his people, the most important element of God's grace to his people is that second phrase. 
that they might serve me, that they might worship me. See, God didn't just want to trick Pharaoh into getting the people free and out into the wilderness, free from slavery. God wanted to free the people in order that they might go serve him and worship him, in order that they might become people that lived in his presence. Now you might think, isn't this a pretty self-serving thing for God to do? Free a people and then have them just come out and serve him and worship him and glorify his name? Get, get you out of a bad situation just so that you can serve me? And you'd be right to think that, that, that for any of us to do something like that, yes, it would be very self-serving but not for God. Why is it not self-serving or wrong for God to do? Here's what I want you to, to, to look at when we, when we look at this passage in Exodus 33 that we've just read. I want you to listen to Moses' words here once again. Moses says this, If your presence, God, will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? See, God's grace is all about his presence with his people. Moses recognizes something when he comes to God. He says, he says, I need you to be with me. And if you're not with me, if your presence isn't with me, then life is not worth living. If you go away from me, Lord, then it's not worth it. The freedom just turns once again into slavery, to something else. Friends, we aren't just freed to be free to do what we want. We are freed to live in the presence of God. We are freed from the bondage of our sin, of our brokenness, of this, of this broken world in order to worship and serve and be with our God. That's what Moses recognizes. God's grace is all about his presence with his people. So how, as a community, do we know that grace? And I just want to give you a few, a few concluding thoughts and flip back to that passage that Robbie read for us before I came up from the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bible, if you'll turn to the book of Colossians. And Sherry, if we could get that Colossians slide back up on the screen. You already have it. Thank you. <laughs> You're ahead of me. Colossians chapter 3. If the purpose of God's grace is for his presence to be with us and for us to live before him, and if life is not worth living unless, unless that's the grace that we experience, that's the grace, him with us, him Him teaching us to, to worship and to serve and to, and to live as he created us to live, not slaves to anything else, but, 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 but 
in submission to him, then how do we know that? How do we experience that? And, and Paul tells us in a number of different places, the New Testament tells us, the whole Bible really tells us in a number of places, some specific ways that God, God shows us where his presence is. Okay, so in Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17, we see one of these places. Notice what Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's presence with you. The peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. This is, this is a community. A community in which Christ dwells among us. In which he's here. In which he's teaching us and, and, and showing us how to worship. But then Paul goes on. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. Once again, in you richly. With, with overabundance. It's not just that he's dwelling with you, it's that he's dwelling with you richly, overflowing in your hearts. And he goes on teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now if Paul is telling you that this is where Christ is going to dwell in your hearts richly, he's going to make his grace known to you richly, then we should pay attention to the things Paul tells us to do here. These are some of the places... That, that, that Paul, or some of the things, the practices that Paul tells us, God will show up and, and, and fill you richly with himself, okay? And, and he says what? He says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That's the body of Christ, teaching each other, being in each other's lives, admonishing each other. That's not so fun. We see something wrong or sinful, calling each other out and back to Jesus Christ, Okay? Singing together, that's, that's a wonderful part of what we do every single Sunday. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And being thankful. And thankfulness in your hearts to God. These are the places where God promises that he will show up. There's, there's a phrase that theologians have used for a long time that's called the ordinary means of grace and it just kind of it, it sounds like kind of an old boring phrase a little bit and i think it's actually meant to be that way a little bit it's the ordinary means of grace these are the places that god shows up again and again and again and it's not in these miraculous exciting crazy ways but it's in our experience of day to day week to week being in each other's lives in ordinary ways, singing together, hearing from God's word, going to him as the source of our grace. It's not our practices that get us to him, but it's his grace that comes to us. And these are the means. These are the ways. So friends, this week and, and next week, this is what I wanted to focus on. Next week, I want to focus on and think about how we grow together in these ways of grace. So we'll talk about some of these specific things. How do we grow together? How do these things shape us? How do we, we receive God's grace and grow in his grace through some of these ways? But this week I wanted to introduce uh, the way that God promises to show up. You know, there's an old, the old show, show uh, Storm Chasers. Anybody watched that show when it was on? I don't think it's on anymore, Storm Chasers. Uh, one of my old teachers would use this example. They, 
Stor- the show's Storm Chasers when it was on, where would you normally find the Storm Chasers? Where would they go? Where were they filming? Oklahoma, Kansas. My father's here this morning. He's from Kansas. He li- or lives in Kansas. Uh, oh, Nebraska. Okay, yeah. Tornado Alley, right? Right up the middle of the country. Why wouldn't the Storm Chasers show up in Virginia? There aren't that many storms here. Is there ever a tornado here? Yes, there are, right? So why wouldn't they come? It's not normal that the storms come here. Okay? They're going to go the places where the storms normally show up, where you usually have storms. And this is, this is in many ways, how, how God's grace is expressed to us in, in the Bible and in history, is that God can show up however he wants. He's almighty, he's all-powerful, he can show up in whatever way he wants, but he promises specific ways that he will show up to you. It's in our singing together, in our teaching and admonishing one another, in his word. It's in these specific ways, the, the, the often unexciting practices, but the wonderful practices where God promises to show up, to fill us with his spirit, and to dwell with us. So why would we not attend to those things, go to those things, week in and week out, go to the place where the storms are, where God's grace shows up? And friends, this is what we're called to do. So let's continue to build each other up as a body, as Christ builds us up by his grace. It's not anything that we do, but it's his grace working in us. Let us pray, and then we'll sing one final song. Lord God, thank you for your grace. Lord God, you have given us an inexpressible gift, an indescribable gift, but Lord, it works itself out in ordinary ways in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us more and more grace to continue to know you, to, to seek your presence with us. Because, Lord, if your presence isn't with us, then, Lord, we are lost. Life is not worth living. We need you. So, Lord, be with us. Shape us. Prepare us for our heavenly home. But, Lord, make us, even today and tomorrow and this week and next week, as we live on this earth, make us servants of you. Help us to worship you and help us to be in each other's lives, displaying your grace in every way that we can. In the name of Jesus, we pray all of this. Amen. Let's stand.